the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Galatians chapter 5. We are going to be looking at verses 16 through 26 today. But to get context, let me read the chapter so that we understand where Paul is. You understand what Paul is talking about. Uh, Paul is uh, refuting people who have crept in to rip off the church in Galatia. Now, they weren't there to steal their money. They were there to steal their liberty in Christ. They were there to steal the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ because they didn't understand. And oftentimes that is the case. And I think it's an apropos message for all of us. And it's an apropos book for all of us. I'm actually, I'm finding that a few of my brothers are actually getting into the book of Galatians over the next uh, few weeks. And Tim's starting, a, uh, Tim Romero is just starting a book study in the book of Galatians here. And then in a few weeks, an, another brother, Brian Bro, uh, Bachoichin up there in, in uh, Tennessee, is starting a study through the book of Galatians. And somebody else, I, I don't even know who he is, but he has another church he was talking to Tim. He's starting about two weeks, you know, a study in the book of Galatians. It's an apropos passage. It's an apropos book for us to learn because we are so susceptible to have people creep into our churches and to try to lay onto us burdens that Christ had never intended. And that's exactly what was going on. The Judaizers had come in and they said, you know, that the law is still valuable. And I would agree with that statement. The law is still valuable, as Paul will say, and as Paul has said, that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. But when we are under Christ, we're no longer under a tutor. And so no longer are we under the law. And so the law isn't our barometer. It's no longer our standard by which we find salvation. It's not our barometer by which, and by the way, the law could never attain. You could never attain salvation through the law. But there were those that were looking forward to the promise, yes, trying to keep the law as best they could, but always looking forward to the promise of the coming one that was prophesied by God to Eve in the garden. Remember, your seed and the seed of the serpent will be at enmity. Speaking of the the coming Messiah, Moses talked about him. There's another one coming a prophet that's coming, the Messiah that's coming. And so he speaks of the Messiah. David speaks of the Messiah. Uh, And and so as we look at these, and, and so many of the prophets speak of the Messiah. And so as we, in the Old Testament, and so as we move forward before Christ comes on the scene, before Jesus Christ comes on the scene, all of those who are attempting to keep the law in in order to maintain a, a relationship with the Lord, Their heart was, one day there's coming a Messiah. He's going to be our king. And so they were always looking for him. And, and they were, they were longing for the day that the Messiah would come and set up his kingdom on the earth. But see, the Old Testament, just because they were keeping the law and doing the best that they could, failing in all manners, because they were longing for the Messiah, They died without receiving the promise. The book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11. And so what happened is that they didn't immediately go with the Lord. What they did is that they they were held in a complacement or in a compartment, if you will. Jesus talks about it in the center of the earth. I'm going to be so naive as to say, I believe him. That Hades is in the middle of the earth. And, And sometimes you hear someone say, oh, It's hot as Hades in here. Well, that's not altogether an accurate statement for the reason being we understand according to what Jesus says that Hades actually is separated into two two compartments. There's one side called the place of torments and then there's another, the other side is called paradise or Abraham's bosom. That's where all the Old Testament saints went. Jesus said, I, the son of man, 
As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. What's he going to do? He's going to go and he's going to preach to the captives who are in that place of Abraham's bosom, of paradise. And he's going to be there and he's going to come and he's going to reveal to them, I am the coming one. I am that Messiah. I am that promise that you lived for and you died believing and died longing for. And here you are. And now here I am. Let's get out of here. You see, today, Hades is half empty. And it's getting fuller on the one side, but it's half empty because Abraham's bosom, paradise, it's gone. It's gone. Christ raised it up. I believe they're in heaven, even at this very moment. So here, here's the thing. The Old Testament saints, you can understand. I, I don't want to... I want to look at this and and attempt to understand. It's so easy to look back in hindsight and see 2020, isn't it? It's so easy to look back into the into the New Testament and see what these guys are doing and go, oh, you guys are so silly. How can you be so ignorant? When in all actuality, we fall every single day of our lives. And and somewhere down the line, if our story is being written somewhere, you know, someone down the line is going to look at you and he's going to look at me and go, how much of an idiot do you have to be to continue to fall in that? And and so the thing is, is that when I look back at these guys, does Paul want to see these guys saved? I believe so. But he's angry because what they've done is that they've tried to take their Judy, their Judaism and adapt Christ to the Judaism and attach Christ to the Judaism. I'm going to attach Christ to the law and that's how we're now saved. And and that's what Paul's coming to. And he's going, these guys are coming in here and they're laying on burdens that you were not able to keep. And to you it might be a little, a little thing, but it is not a little thing. This is a huge thing. And so therefore, the whole book of, of Galatians is a lesson to you and I that if somebody comes into our church, now listen, back in that day, it was, it was the Judaizers that were coming in saying, hey, you gotta keep the law and Christ. Then you can be saved. But today, someone might come into the church and go, oh, you've got to speak in tongues or you're not saved. Or you can't speak in tongues or you're not saved. You're filled with a demon or something. <clears throat> you, you've got to be baptized. You've got to be, you've got to have all of these things. You've got to, you've got to go to, you know, this seminar or that conference. You've got to read this book or you've got to ad- adhere to, to that you know, person's way of teaching, you know? You've got to go under this kind of a book, you know? This person wrote a book and it's it's life transforming. Anytime somebody says a book is life transforming, I, I, I don't completely and totally disregard it, but but the the mindset is, unless it's taking everything out of the word of God and pointing you to Jesus Christ and him crucified, the book has no use for me. But when someone comes in and writes their own book as a supplement to the to the Word of God and says, listen, in order for you to understand this Word of God, you need to read my book, you need to flee. Because what you see is the genesis of a cult. Okay? So stay away from that. And so here's the thing. Those are kind of the burdens that will come into churches today. Oh, well, you know, here's the thing. And I told you a few weeks ago, you know, that big thing with the Toronto blessing and and the Pensacola revival and all the different kind of stuff. You know, it, it's almost split a church. It may have split the church, one of the churches here in Sarasota. You got to do this. You know, if you don't do this, then, then, you know, I don't even know why you're even coming to this church because you've got to go up there because that's where the Holy Spirit is. Hey, listen, don't ever run after the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit just, He resides in you. He's running after you. He wants to, He wants to be caught by you. And so every morning, He wants to be caught by you. Okay? So catch Him. Okay? He's there. <laughs> Enjoy life. You don't have to go somewhere to find the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I, if I don't go away, I cannot send to you the helper. The Paracletos, that Holy Spirit, who's going to reside. He's with you, but he'll be in you. And right now, he's in us. We don't have to run after it. We don't need to have extra burdens laid upon us in order to be Christians. 
That's what the book of Galatians is all about. He says in verse 1 of chapter 5, Stand fast therefore, Galatians and Calvary Chapelites, <laughs> in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be ta- entangled again with a yoke of bondage, which nobody could do. That was the funny thing. Nobody could do the law, and now they were wanting to be back under the law again. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And so circumcised, you got to be circumcised. No, you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to be... You can be circumcised or you don't have to be circumcised. It doesn't matter. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let that be your answer from now on. Okay? That answer is the greatest answer of all time. Well, you've got to do this. No, no. I need to have Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wow, well, you've got to speak in tongues. No, I need Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why? Wow, you got to be circumcised. No, Jesus Christ and Him, and Him <laughs> circumcised. And Him crucified. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. Um, <laughs> it, it, we have got to understand that the answer is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. Let's not complicate Christianity. And so Paul says, listen, I testify again to verse 3 that every, to every man who becomes circumcised that you're a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I love this statement of Paul. That's how I feel right now. Come on. What what has tripped you up? Or what has tripped us up? What has caused us to walk away from Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Get back to the, 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 the main point. Get back to the majors of the faith and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you'll have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his own judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could even wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Do you hear what I just said there? Do you hear what Paul just said? Not I said, what Paul said. I just read what it was. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. For you, believer, here today on April 29, 2018, believer, you have been called to liberty. Only... Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Let me just say something here. There's an old statement from, uh, 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 I, I want to say it's, uh, I can't remember. It's one of the old, old popes. I can't remember. I want to say it's Assisi that, that said something. Sometimes they come off with some pretty good stuff. And he, he said, there's two steps of knowing the will of God. Number one, love God. And number two, do what you want. Simple. Love God. Second step, do what you want. Now here, here's, here's the thing. You can't, you, you can't even start to wander into step two until you dive yourself into verse one, into step one. Step one is, if you love God, the next step is you do whatever you want. Okay, wait a minute. If you're doing whatever you want and it's in the flesh, you're not loving God. Does that make sense? And so what you do in life, if it's something that's contrary to the word of God, now you've got a contradiction. And so therefore, it's a great barometer. If you love God, it's kind of a, a, a roundabout way of saying, what would Jesus do, right? Exactly. Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord, and, and not do the things that I ask. You know, and so Jesus says, hey, why do you call me Lord? And yet you don't do what I ask. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so here's the thing. We have, we have, uh, uh, you know, this picture of loving God. And when we do, our decisions will be based upon and filtered through, Lord, what is it that you want? 
Lord, how is it that you want this to work in my life? Lord, how is it that you want me to say this or respond to this or or approach this or however, whatever the case may be, it's filtering everything through loving God first. And then when you take a step and you do what you want, now you're free. You have this liberty and it's this liberty that is that is unending. And it's a joy that you can have because you can have this deep down peace that God is with you and he's directing you. And you can be so excited about the the life that you can live because you're living it through the love of Christ as you are living out your life. Brethren, brothers and sisters, you have been called to liberty. Only don't use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, uh, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time, in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or being jealous or envying one another. And so what we have here is in our passage today, in, and we're gonna, there's no way I'm gonna go through every one of these words. You're, most of these words you understand. I, they're very simple. They're, they're, it's, it's, Really, this is almost the obvious of, this is basic building block A of Christianity. Those who say, well, I don't know, is it okay if I sleep with my girlfriend? I don't know what kind of a brain you have. But if, you know, you have to realize, you have to, if you have any kind of, even a moral bone in your body, you're going to know, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. That's probably not a good thing. If, if, well, should I cheat? Just think of the term. <laughs> is it a good term or is it a bad term? Would you like to be cheated? Well, of course not. Then don't. <laughs> Remember the, the video we showed? Stop it! You know? <laughs> just stop! I mean, just, here it is. It's in the word. Don't do it. These things of the flesh, don't do them. You're not going to be honoring God if you're doing these things of the flesh. They're evident. That's what Paul says. The works of the flesh are evident. He's saying they're obvious. That's the word it means obvious. They're obvious. It's evident to you and to me. And yet there are Christians that really struggle with this. They really, really, really struggle with this. Wait a minute. You're saying... Not to commit adultery. Well, that's... I, I, even... I think even the worst person who... And I was about to call him a saint because I, I, I don't I don't know that he would be a saint or she would be a saint. Could I ever justify committing adultery and being right in the eyes of the Lord? And yet, some people come to the conclusion that, yeah. And here's oftentimes how it happens. And sorry to say, it will happen in church, oftentimes in church leadership. Not just in, it's not just in church leadership, but I've seen it in church leadership far too often and it grieves my heart. But here's, here's the thing. Because you've got a person in leadership, you've got another person in leadership and they're around each other all the time and they, they find themselves alone at times and so on and so forth. They're both married to separate people, but 
you know what? Here's the thing. We both have the same interest. We both have the same joy. We both have the same passion. And we talk about Jesus all the time and we actually pray together. And and so it just, I think God would be okay with this. And they end up getting into an affair and what have you. And they destroy two families. They even destroy their own lives. And it's just disgusting and it's horrible and it's hard and, and it, it just destroys lives. And, and they think that it's okay. I, I love the, the, the spiritual or heavenly economics I learned from a guy by the name of John Corson many, many years ago. He's a pastor out in Applegate Christian Fellowship out in Cal, out in uh, Oregon. He, uh, he was one of my distant mentors that I would look at and I would read and I would listen to and I'd love to listen to the guy teach. He's a phenomenal teacher. And I, I remember one time he, he used this illustration. I've used it many times here before and I've stole it and I never gave him honor. So here it is. John, you got it. it. Where, here's what Jesus says. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. And he takes that verse and he says, here's the thing. If you being a male, if you being a female, if you pour out your treasures into somebody that is not your wife or your husband and you tell them that deep things, oh, let's pray together. Let's pour our treasures into one another. As we pour our treasures into one another, our hearts are going to follow. Our hearts are going to follow that. And so you have to be careful of who it is and how it is that you speak with people. Be careful. Be careful. Don't find yourself alone with a woman, married guys. Don't find yourself alone with a man, married women. You know, here's the thing. One of the things that we do here, I want you to understand, I don't want to be in this building alone with a woman. When Christine comes in in the morning, she'll usually get here on Sunday mornings before I do. And it didn't used to be where she had one of her kids with her. And so if I'd come and she was here and I'd like, hey, is anybody else here? No, I'd stay outside. Or she would actually go, hey, I can go over into the other place over there. You can come in here. But we're not going to be in the same building. And knowing nothing would ever happen, I don't want the reproach. I don't want the vision to even be there. I love this family way too much. I love you guys way too much. I don't want that picture. I don't want that. And so I, I, I've taken a heart of, of and a, an instruction of Billy Graham that says, hey, I don't even ride up in an elevator alone with a woman. And I, I, I'm sorry if I feel a little distant to women, but here's the thing. I don't want to be distant, but I don't want to, as a pastor, there's a very weird line there. I've got to pour in. I've got to pour into to, to, to people. But when I usually counsel women, it's usually with my wife. I love counseling my wife. I love my wife being there. If I do counsel a woman, it's going to be either over a phone, with someone else being able to hear what it is that I'm saying, or it's going to be in here where other people can see. And so if I'm over here with a woman and you guys are over here, know that I'm counseling and I and, and that's it. I'm not going to do anything in the eyes in secret. That's I don't want that. And and that's my own hedges that I place up. What hedges do you place up for yourself? Oh, it might not be for a physical woman. It might be for an internet. It might be on the internet. It might be for something that is impure on the internet. And you, you end up pouring your treasure into because you're pouring your time into a pornographic site. You pour your time into uh, an, a, you know, an, 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 a, a fair site or something like that. Or a movie that is something that is, is vile. You're pouring your time into it. You're, you're giving your heart away. You're pouring your treasure into that. And when you pour your treasure into that, your heart will follow that. Your heart will long for those things that you pour your treasure into. Does that make sense? The heavenly economics of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be careful, Christian, where you place your treasure. Because know this, your heart's going to follow it. Your heart's going to follow. You know, the, the, the idea of, hey, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet, but I'm going to go get a job at a donut shop. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to not stumble 
or fall, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So here's the thing. Adultery and fornication. And fornication can be, you know, an actual, you know, affair. It can be, or it can be a, a, a an out of wed relationship, sexual relationship or emotional relationship, or it can actually be internet. You, you can get on the internet and you can be pouring your heart into for where your, I mean, what you, what you do in your mind is being done in heaven. Uncleanness, licentiousness. That word licentiousness is a word that's an interesting word. Um, licentiousness, uh, literally means, uh, disregarding accepted rules or conventions, promiscuous or unprincipled in sexual matters. Basically what it is, is that when you're here and you're hearing me talk about adultery and fornication and uncleanness, all these things, and you go, yeah, I don't agree with you. I, I, I think that free love, I think, you know, I think God wants us to have free love. Free love, man, you know. We've, we've learned about free love, right? We, we have, we have an epidemic called AIDS in our society that is just, is destroying us because of free love. Ah, we can do it. We can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. You cannot do that. Licentiousness is, I always think of, when I think of the word licentiousness, what I always, what helps me to understand what this word means, it's, it's that I have a license to do anything. Do anything I want. Well, Pastor Don, didn't you just say I can do whatever I want? Well, yeah, but you forgot step one. Remember, step one was love God, and then do whatever you want. Well, I'm loving God. No, you're not. Not when you're sleeping with two women. That's not loving God. That's loving the flesh. That's that's that's. But but I I I'm okay. You you are not the loophole. You're not the loophole. You cannot find a loophole in the Bible in order to justify your sin. If you think that you're finding a loophole, if you're searching for a loophole, it was old W.C. Fields, remember? I was reading a Bible one time. Somebody came up to W.C. Fields and none of you under the age of 40 even know who I'm talking about. But he's a guy that, you know, I talk like this, you know. And and they, they said, W.C. Fields, reading a Bible? Oh, yes, looking for loopholes, looking for loopholes. Looking for loopholes. I, sometimes we look at the Bible to find loopholes in order to find out, can I can I sin and God be cool with it? Listen, if you ever have to ask that question, just stay away from the question. Just don't do what it is that you're asking God to do because you know what? It's probably not the right thing to do. That question is, is probably you learning what the Holy Spirit conviction is, is speaking to you. Well, I wonder if I should do it or if I shouldn't do it. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit trying to teach you and, and build up in you and, and train you that, hey, this is my voice. Dink, 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 dink. This is my voice. Listen. I don't know. I know that she's married, but she doesn't. She likes me. Stop. Well, I know that, I know that other states, they, they allow it. And so, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think God's good with it. No. No. If you have something in your heart that's convicting you, stay away from it. And it, for, for sure, if you find it in here, it just, and by the way, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just Paul saying, hey, these are evident. He says that it's not an exhaustive list. He says, and the like, he says there in verse 21, right? He says, and the like. But let's look at some of these things. Licentiousness. You don't have a license to do whatever you want. Especially as it goes towards sin. Idolatry. Sorcery. Sorcery is the, the word pharmakia. Uh, the, the pharmakia that we see there is, is, uh, uh, the literal use of the of the or of the administrating of drugs or poisoning, the sorcery or hallucinations that are connections with the use of any mind altering substance. So here's the thing. Wait a minute. Florida is probably going to be one of the next states that legalizes pot. I don't even think is it is it legalized yet? 
for medical purposes, for medical purposes. Here's the thing. That's one of the biggest farces I've seen out there. But here, here's the thing. What I see is that is that you you start looking at the statistics of the things that are happening in 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 Colorado, and that that state is in trouble. That state's in trouble. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's going to come. It's going to come to our to our country. It's going to come to our country. And so here's the thing. If you're a recreational user of drugs. Know this, pharmakia literally means anything that alters your mind. If it alters your mind, you need to stay away from it, right? Oh, but wait a minute. Stop, stop. You're not the loophole. You're not the loophole. What about all the other drugs that are, are, are prescribed? Shouldn't you use those? Because they are kind of mind-altering. Okay. Drugs that are approved by our our medical field. Listen, let's be logical here. Let's not make it more complicated than 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 what it has to be. Paul Paul never said don't ever drink, right? Paul never said don't ever drink. In fact, he even told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. It isn't because Timothy, Paul didn't say, take a little wine for your, to get, to get lit. Okay, Timothy, take a little wine to get lit. Because you need a break. Because you've had a stressful week. Take a little wine because you've had stress. No, no, no. Timothy had something going on in his stomach, don't know what it is. Paul was using it and, and talking about it being used in a medical term. And so here's the thing. Prescribed by a doctor. Use it. Listen, take it to the Lord, but but use it. Because here's where some people will go, absolutely not, I'm not going to take any drugs whatsoever. And here's the thing, it actually hurts you even all the more. Can God heal you? Pray for it. And God may heal you. We've seen God do miraculous things, but maybe maybe God is is going to use this. And I don't understand all of God's ways. I just know, let's look at the obvious and let's not fall into, well, wait a minute. Let's not take the, 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 you know, 1% and make a law out of it. Okay? Let's look at this logically. Paul says, the works of the flesh are evident. If you see that this thing is against the Lord, stay away from it. And don't come up with your own mind of saying, hey, I think everything's cool. Listen. It's not everything is cool. You even know in your heart it's not right. The Holy Spirit is speaking in, in that. So hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Uh, you know, jealousies is, is, is a word that we get our, our word zealous from. And, and it's the excitement of the mind and, and that fervor of spirit is in, neg- in the negative sense. It's envious and contentious rivalry. You have this, this, this envy towards someone of what they have, of, of what they've attained, uh, of what their life is and yours isn't. Don't be jealous. Know this. Be satisfied with the person that God has made you. Because God didn't make two of them and, and none of you. That's what that's what what happened to Don McClure when he got off a, 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 a plane and he went to the Billy Graham training center one time, where a lot of other pastors were going to a Billy Graham training center one time, just to go in and just be educated on a few things. And here's the thing: they all came in and. The, they were all sitting there all they all had bibles about the same size as billy they all were standing there you know with a with a, a you know a suit coat on that looked a lot like billy's and they all were talking like billy you know and even though they were from california you know and and so here's the thing the guy got up to introduce everybody and the very first thing that don mcclure said that that he said how many of you wish that god would have made two billy grams and one less of you the point is, God made you and God made Billy Graham. Billy Graham doesn't want you to be a clone of him. 
What you need to be is you to the spirit perfected power. That, that let the let the Holy Spirit do the work in you and in your abilities and in your gifts and in your voice and in your inflections. You be you, let Billy be him, and you guys serve the Lord with no strings attached and watch what God's going to do. For in so doing, if you live your life that way, God's not going to judge you that you didn't do what Billy Graham did. God's not going to judge you on what Pastor Chuck did or what Pastor Don did or what anybody else. God's going to judge you on you and on what you've done with the gifts that you have been given, with the life that you have been given. Know this, I just don't have what everybody else has. Okay, then God God gave that to you. This is what you have. This is the place that you're at. Make the best of it today and glorify God in your body. Why? Because you no longer own yourself if you're a Christian. Our issues that we have so many problems with is when we take back control, when we take, when we, when we become, you know, these, these false givers of our life where, where we take back our life that we freely gave to the Lord. God, you can have my life, everything of it. But I need this and I need that and I need this and I need that. And God's like, oh, wait a minute. I thought you gave me your life. Well, yeah, but I, I, I need a house and I need two cars. I need this. I need that. I need a wife. Well, maybe you don't. Or maybe you do. And God has one for you down the road. But for us to put dictates upon God on, on the parameters on what God, what part of your life God is going to have. Let me tell you this. God doesn't have a part of your life. If you're hanging on to your life, you've you've wrestled control away from the Lord. And when you and I, we struggle with living for Jesus because we look around us and other people have things that we don't have or they have a life that we don't have or they have, you know, uh, relationships or jobs or, or things or whatever it is that we don't have or abilities that we don't have, we can become jealous. And that's one of those works of the flesh, right? We, we, we begin to become envious. That's another one of those works of the flesh. And, and you have this, this problem because you've not, you've, you've wrestled control back away from the Lord and you're never going to be satisfied in your Christian walk because your eyes are always going to be on man and not on God. Gang, listen, your freedom in this world is to recognize that this is not what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, right? Heaven, one day, none of this is going to matter. You be the best you that you can be living with what God has given to you and you don't have to make excuses for it. Just be you and be the best you that you can be according to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. Don't look around you to find jealousy. Just stay in your lane. Your lane is here. The, the 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 guy who loses the re the 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 race is the guy that's constantly looking at the racers that are next to him. He's not going to win the race because he's going to get out of his lane. He's going to run into somebody. He's going to he's not going to be focused on his own race. You run your race. You fight your fight. Don't worry about everybody else. Outbursts of wrath. Uh, it, it, if you're one of those people that have that, please take note here. And and don't don't plead your nationality, your race. I'm Italian. I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn. I I, I don't know. I've never been to you know, Brooklyn, I don't think. Uh, but, you know, may, maybe you have bought into what a world would say that you are. It Just because you are born a certain way doesn't give you the right to to carry on the characteristics that the world has accepted. I've got a hot temper. I'm Italian. Well, then stop with your hot temper. You're a Christian. 
outbursts of wrath. I think of people with an outburst of wrath as somebody who just gets so frustrated and then boom, you know. Doctor, I know of somebody who, who punched a wall one time, which is always funny to me. I didn't, I'm gonna, I'm so angry I'm gonna punch this wall. Boom. And usually those guys find the studs. <laughs> and on this case, this guy found the stud. And he found out who the stud was. <laughs> and he, he ended up going to the doctor. His hand was broken. And the doctor goes, oh wow. Oh, you got an idiot crack. Or you got an idiot fracture. He goes, what does that mean? He goes, oh, an idiot fracture. He goes, well, what's an idiot fracture? He goes, oh, that's somebody who can't control themselves and they punch walls. Don't get idiot fractures. Don't, don't outburst of wrath. Stop. Knock it off. Selfish ambitions. Again, I'm out of time. Selfish ambitions. Do I, do I really need to, to, to explain much in here? Selfish ambitions. Just, again, your life is wrapped up. All, all of these things can be addressed if we can just get this one point. Jesus Christ and Him crucified and I'm wrapped up in Him. That's who my life is for. My life is to live for Him. Yeah, but everybody else has. I, I don't have what they have. Their life is so much easier. Okay, but God wouldn't allow you to go through this if He didn't think that you could handle it. And He has a message to it. He has something He's going to take you through. But know this, it's you're going to go through it. How many of us have ever ever, ever go through the hardest trial that we've ever gone through in our life that has taught us the most about the love of God. Never would any of us have chosen to go through that trial. We never have would have wanted to go through that. We never would have called that upon ourselves. And yet, God allowed us to go through that. And He shaped us. He fashioned us. He formed us. He stealed our, not steal as in thieving, He stealed as in hardening our resolve to follow Him and to know that in no matter what, He is there. And He will always be there. And sometimes in your deepest and darkest times of your life is the only time that you begin to really, really sense the very presence of the Lord. And we never choose that for ourselves. But because we have gone through it, you you understand and you sense the presence of the Lord and you recognize that that fellowship that you had with the Lord when everybody else was asleep and you're up in fear or you're up in, in desperation and the Lord is the only one you're speaking to and there in the midst of that dark hour you are finding peace through the Lord and you don't understand where it comes from. You would never learn that any other way and yet God allowed it to come into your life. And now when you encounter somebody else that is going through, you have an opportunity to minister. God doesn't waste anything on our life, guys. He doesn't waste anything. You might have a hard life, but know this, God knows where you are. He didn't lose your number. He, his, your name hasn't slipped from his mind. Trust him. You live the life that he wants you to live today. The best you and it'll keep you away from outbursts of breath. It'll keep you away from selfish ambitions. It'll keep you away from envies and jealousies. It'll keep you away from fornication and adultery. It's going to keep you away from heresies and dissensions and envy and murders and drunkenness and revelries. Revelries is, you know, drunkenness is just, you know, getting drunk. Revelries is everything you do after you get drunk. <laughs> That's it. Well, all right, I sinned when I got drunk, but now everything's good. No, it's not. It really isn't good. It's not good. Uh, those revelries, but that's sometimes what people live for. I know I did a long time ago. Some of you guys you can identify with that. You guys were in the same boat as I was. You longed for the days of partying. And the like, he says, of which I tell you beforehand. I'm only getting through the flesh of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
And and can I can I just say as he says there, and the like, he says it's obvious that this is not an exhaustive list. You might be able to add, you might look at some of these and go, wow, he left out some of these things. Know this, then add it. Then add it. But know this, he says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That word practice is a word praso in the Greek. And, and, and it literally means to exercise, to practice, to be busy with, to carry on to accomplish, to perform, to manage. To commit to. Here's the thing. Does it mean that if, if you've blown it at any of these that you're not saved? No. Does it mean that if you blow it five times in any of these that you're not saved? If you're a Christian? No. Because you know what? We all blow it. My old pastor used to say, grace is for falling. Grace is not for jumping. So just because you can be forgiven doesn't give you the license, licentiousness, to sin. Paul talks about that. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? There was actually a thought back in the day, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that that there was that other part that crept into the church that said, listen, God gets glory and is honored and blessed when he forgives us of sin. So, I am going to sin all the more. Does that make sense? But that was a thought back in the day. That was a thought back in the day. And that's what Paul had to actually address. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Absolutely not. No, stop it. But even as Paul was dealing with that, don't we see that all around us? Creeping into the church, creeping in amongst people. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I just will finish with this, and that's this. When, when, when someone sits there and, and asks the question if they're, you know, I, I've, do I lose my salvation because I, I do these things? I've done these things. There's, that's a loaded question, by the way. I'll save that for next week. Not really. I mean, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. Listen. If someone were to ask me, can I lose my salvation? I will say absolutely not. Well, can somebody else lose their salvation? I will say this. Someone can lose their assurance of salvation. And what I mean by that is this. If you're in an adulterous affair, or you're just, you just are a practicing alcoholic that you just are not going to ever, you're not seeking the Lord's help for any of this. And you're just going to keep going down because you think you have that licentiousness, that you have the license to do this and that God's cool with it. I gave him every part of my life, but this part, but he can have everything. I mean, what all does he want? Come on, you know. He wants it all. But here's the thing. If you have absolutely no conviction of living in sin, then I, I would take you back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, and I'd say, is this something that you practice in your life? Yes. What does that last verse say? It says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How does that make you feel? Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. A pastor told me if I got saved, I would always be saved, and I'd never be lost. Well, you got to... Some, there's a contradiction somewhere. And I will tell you this, that the contradiction isn't in the Word of God. The contradiction is in your life. The contradiction is in your life. Because if you think that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God by practicing these things, and the Bible says those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, 
You've got a problem with the Word of God. You've got a problem with the Word of God. You have got to deal with something here. This isn't a God issue. This is a you issue. This is you wanting to get your way. And you want salvation at the end of the day, but you want to live your life any old way you want to live it while you live on the earth. And we've got a contradiction here. Because no longer does God have control of your life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus asked the question. So how can you be a Christian and not do these things? Or how can you be a Christian and do these things and and practice in them and have absolutely no conviction? That's the scary part to me. If you have no conviction living in this, that's a scary part to me because that tells me that you have a callousness that has built up so much that you've stopped hearing the Holy Spirit. It concerns me greatly. And it should concern you even more. I'm not going to practice these things. Will I fall in some things? Yeah, I will. I'll fall in them. We all fall in these things. But again, grace for falling, not grace for jumping. Just because I know God can forgive me and God would forgive me doesn't mean that I just go and do it. The works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious, guys. We know it. Next week, we'll look at the the works of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be a, a much better lesson. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to freak anybody out here by the last things that I've just said. Are you saved? I hope so. Are you practicing these things? Well, are you telling me I'm not saved if I am? I'm just saying that you've got a problem with the Word of God. And right now, you're going to walk out of here with a lot of assurance issues and a lot of anger issues for me because I maybe have contradicted a pastor who said, once saved, always saved. You sign your name on the bottom line, you're saved. You're done. Got it. Now go do whatever you want. Live however you want. Yeah. Run a prostitution ring. That's cool. Cool, you can do it. Be saved. Woo-hoo! I don't, I don't know. I, 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 listen, that's not my choice. I'm not the one that's going to be standing in judgment of you. What I see is that the Word of God says, I'd be concerned if I were you. The Bible says, those who practice such things, those who exercise in such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Explain it away. You can't. And so therefore, stay away from them. What if I fall? That's what Jesus is for, man. Run to him. Seek his forgiveness. Seek restoration. Seek strength for the next time that you encounter such an issue. But what if it's a bad sin, a big sin? What's so big that God's hand is shortened that he can't reach? God can reach. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how horrible of a sin you've committed. Do you know this? Jesus is right there. That, that, here's, here's the thing that will give you the, I'll endo this. The litmus test on whether or not God is done with you. And if God is so fed up with you because of your sin and God doesn't want anything to do with you ever, ever again, that He just is so angry with you, you're done. I'm going to tell you, here's a quick little test to find out if that actually is correct. Okay? You ready for it? It's, it's real simple, but it's, it, you need to know. Just do this. If you're still alive after that, know that God's not done with you. Okay? Just take a breath. Breathe it out. If you're still alive, God still has a plan. And God's not done with you. And God loves you. And God wants to restore you. He wants to, He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore. He wants to do a work in your life. Let Him. Let Him. You're not too far gone. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. God, keep us away from those things that are contrary to you. And Lord, when we do enter into those things, Lord, 
help us to become cognizant very quickly and flee. Repent. Restore. Do whatever we need to do, Lord, to get back in a right standing, Lord, as we're walking with you. God, help us not to find ourselves comfortable in the works of the flesh. We have this flesh and this flesh is attached to us until the day that we get our glorified bodies. And so we're going to have to deal with the flesh. Help us. God, we, we, we acknowledge that we're weak. We can't do it. Not in, in and of our own resources. No way. This flesh is way too strong for me. God, help us to not just let this be a message that just goes in one ear and out the other, but God, let it be something that will drive deep down into our hearts and into our minds that refashions this warehouse, this spiritual warehouse that says, live for God and reject the flesh. And Lord, when we fall into the flesh, Lord, help us be quick to get back to the cross. Help us to plead Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then restore us, Lord. And then strengthen us that we don't fall in that area again. And if and when we do, Lord, may we repeat steps one through three. Get back to the cross. Plead Jesus Christ and him crucified and be refreshed in you. Lord, We lift our lives to you. And I pray, God, that if there's anybody in this room that has been convicted by this message, know that that's not what it was about. Conviction is only there to drive us to a place that would cause us to do something about the conviction, to get right with God. So, Lord, if there's anybody in this room that just needs to get right with you, Lord, I pray that as we finish out this time in prayer, that they would just offer their life back into your hands. Maybe it's an internet addiction. The things that they're seeing and the things that they're allowing into their mind. Maybe it's having to do with drugs. Maybe it's having to do with the jealousy of a, of a co-worker or of a, of a neighbor or of a family member. Envious and selfish ambition that they think that they should have something that somebody else doesn't have. And it's so strong and it's so overpowering. Maybe somebody's struggling with drugs or alcohol. Whatever the case is, Lord, may we come before you and offer a hundred percent of our life once again before you. And say, no strings attached, Lord. You take my life. You give me the strength, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to live this life one step at a time from this day forth. My life has been on a different path than yours, Jesus. And I want to be back on the path that you're on. Restore me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me of walking away. Forgive me of practicing in things that I ought not be practicing in. Set me straight, Lord, please. And it might be hard, and it might be, might be hard because people might mock me because I do. People might be disappointed in my life because I'm going back to a place where I'm walking with you and and I'm not accepted by the, the world. And, and Lord, I, I don't know if I can handle the world. I don't know if I can handle the disappointment of my friends or my family. My loved ones. I, I don't know if I can handle that. Lord, give them the strength. As I know you will. May we live for the audience of one. You, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. May we live for you. Forgive us, Lord. Restore us, refresh us, and help us to walk out of this place today in the joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. And we have a purpose in this life, and it's to serve you in 
whoever it is that we are and however it is and in whatever it is that you have allowed us to have in our own life, the possessions, the gifts, the talents, Lord, may we live for you. May you be glorified in our body, in our life, in our minds and in our hearts and in our actions. Lord, may they all be completely and totally rededicated to you at this very moment. Thank you, God, for forgiving and cleansing and setting us back up on the horse. Now, Lord, let's ride. Let's ride with you, Lord. Freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.